Welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show, where wealth includes much more than just money. It includes family, fitness, romance, and all the other parts of a balanced life. Listen and learn how 70% of the millionaires in America made their money using real estate. Now your host, real estate investor and consultant, Steve Davis. Happy Wednesday, everybody. This is Trevor Davis, wealth coach at Total Wealth Academy. Um, I know a lot of people listening are members already. And in case you're interested in meeting me, we have free sample classes every week. One is tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. We also have one this Saturday at 9 a.m. So if you're free and you want to meet and learn about what we're doing at Total Wealth Academy, why people are joining, why we have so much fun doing what we do, making money with real estate, you can come out to the, one of these classes every single week. There's always an opportunity for you to come out and visit. Now, as always, start off with the Einstein quote, the measure of intelligence is the ability to change. We are constantly changing, we are constantly evolving, and to deny that is to deny reality itself. And sometimes we acknowledge that we change, but it's just a change that we don't like. Biggest one, as an example, is getting older. Very few people like getting older, or should I say nobody likes getting older, but that's an example of a change that's going on within all of us, no matter how young or how old we are. The second we're born, we're getting older, that brings change. So we know foundationally that we are changing creatures. We are always going to be changing whether we like it or not and whether we can control that change or not. So we should take advantage of the fact that change is a part of life and create change that we want to get the life that we truly want. We identify the life that we want by writing down our goals on paper one of the most helpful things that I say during any of my classes is and to people in general is that you need to write your goals down to make it something you actually take action on, that you actually make a change on. The statistics for writing your goals down seem to indicate that you're going to get a very significant improvement on how you're going to achieve those goals once they're written down. The rate that I saw is typically around 40 to 50% more success reported in the studies that register if people write down the goal or don't. So if you want to make a change, identify what you want to change, then identify the steps that go about making that change. And sometimes that's a place where you need to get help. You need to talk to a professional or someone with more experience. And above all, someone who has the results that you want. You have to have someone in your sphere that if you want to get more fit, you have to have someone who is fitter than you are. If you want to make more money, you have to be talking to people that do make more money than you. Our ego is going to push back against stuff like that because we don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to feel ashamed. We don't want to feel dishonored or whatever it is we attach to not wanting to get help from people that have something better than we do or have the kind of life or one part of life that we want to have that we don't have now. The news that we're looking at today comes from a study that was run by Primerica to measure middle-class American market confidence. Market confidence is extraordinarily important it's very, very critical that we constantly measure 
people's confidence in the market so we can get a feel for the status of the economy. Because when it really comes down to it, the economy is really a measure of human confidence. Up markets are where almost everybody's very confident. Down markets are where people are not very confident. And of course, that is an what could be argued an egregious oversimplification, but confidence is incredibly important in determining whether we're going to be going into an up market or a down market or a transitional market and everything in between. We all probably know at this point that we're heading towards a recession. When that recession is going to happen, we don't know. But the news is that out of this study, the main headline that I'm looking at is that 75% of middle-class households, which is a household that brings in a gross income under up to $100,000. So that's going to be roughly anywhere between 60000 to 100000 is considered the middle class according to this study. Total household gross income. So all of the money that's coming in is grossing sixty to 100000 And 75% of those households in America, which is the vast majority of Americans, say that their income is falling behind the cost of living. Why? Primarily because of the high inflation that is one of the negative aspects of an extremely high market, especially when a high market goes on for an extremely extended period of time, like what we saw in this post-COVID world. We had a quick COVID recession. It seemed like that made sense because people were not able to go out and move their money around. So we had a relatively quick COVID recession and we saw some market disruptions in many different industries and some businesses that were not able to make it during the initial COVID um, assault upon the world. But what ended up happening was basically we sprang back to the extreme, which is mostly good, but with this long, there's definitely going to be consequences. And one of those consequences of this extended high market is radical inflation. We're at 9.1% inflation as of now. And what inflation is doing to your money as we speak, and doing to my money too, is it's making our money weaker. Our buying power with our money is getting weaker and weaker and weaker, and the cost of good goes up and up and up. So our money is not going to go as far as it used to before the inflation. Now, I briefly mentioned this last week, but inflation is necessary, according to most economists, according to our main American economists here, because you have to make sure that people have an incentive to invest their money. Inflation incentivizes people to invest their money, create businesses, buy real estate, create jobs, because that is what allows them to get a rate of return that beats the inflation. So if we're looking at inflation of 9.1%, then you have to be making on your money more than 9.1%. And the rates of return in real estate, depending on the deal, are easily above 9.1%. And many deals, especially in single family, will go above 100% once you account for all four ways that it makes money. Right now, you're looking at 
the average rate of return in the stock market of 10%. That's the most common number that I've seen. And then normal inflation being around 3 to 4% means the rate of return in the stock market is around 6 to 7% because you subtract that off the stock market's gross rate of return. So unfortunately, to say nothing about the fact that the stock market is dropping overall, we're looking at a 0.9% return on your money if you're only in the stock market. That's not sufficient for you to retire on, and that's not sufficient for you to pay for your family's bills and something like your college bills. So, folks, we're going to continue to expand on what is going on in the market and what it does in comparison with real estate after we get back from the break. So stay tuned. This is Trevor Davis with Total Wealth Academy. teach their kids differently than the poor and middle class. We are teaching our students what the rich teach their kids. Learn why saving your way to retirement doesn't work and how to build a second stream of income that comes in for the rest of your life. This allows you to retire at any age and simply enjoy more of your life with peace of mind about your financial future. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That's TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. This is Trevor Davis, your host. If you want to talk, you can give us a call, 281-558-5738, 281-558-5738, or you can send me an email, trevor at totalwealthacademy.com. That's trevor at totalwealthacademy.com. That's a good option if you don't want to chat over the air or if you have a question that you want to be answered privately. Um just feel free to let me know if you don't want me to answer it over the air at all. That is not a problem either. Now, we were just going over what is going on with inflation when you account for in the stock market. And with that 10% gross stock return, when you're hacking off 9.1% with inflation, the overall return accounted over the last 75 years, 80 years, gets you a point. 9% rate of return on your money. So if you put a dollar in, that's 100 cents, you're not even going to be making a penny on your money. Less than a penny. 0.9 of a penny. That's not substantial, and that's not going to be substantial even if you're going to invest an actual realistic amount of money into the stock market. We all know that the market is going up and down. We acknowledge that. So that rate of return is over the 75, 80 years, and that only is getting you 6 to 7% on average with the ups and downs and with inflation. That is still the average that people are getting in the stock market. And when you're dealing with the ups and downs, you deal with something like losing 25%, 30%, and one person I talked to about 2008 and 9 said they lost almost 50% of their retirement account's value because of the major recession of 2008 and 9. That's not a comfortable situation to deal with. And it's not even a comfortable prospect to deal with as a possibility when it's a very distinct possibility. And no one can predict exactly what happens in any investment. 
But when we know that this is just the par for the course of this type of investing in stocks, then you're going to be dealing with a lot of stress, a lot of heartache, a lot of lost sleep at night, and many, many other things that come with that that are very hard to account for because it's just from it's just basically accounting for how this negative situation is going to impact your human behavior. But that's not something that you want to put on yourself and therefore extend that to your family and loved ones as a result. So make sure that you're putting your money into something that allows you to get a rate of return that beats the stock market and beats the crap out of inflation, even when it's 9.1%. Everybody is dealing with inflation. So while it's universal, you just have to look at it from your own perspective. And if you've got money sitting in a bank account doing a whole lot of nothing, where they give you that puny, microscopic interest on your money in the savings account at the average American bank, that's going to be losing value once you account for inflation. So you have to be putting your money into investments that beat out inflation. To continue with the information that I got with the Primerica surveying of the middle class, the other thing is that 77% are in the belief that we're going to be in a recession by the end of the year. This is a very common opinion. It's so far, people think, seem to think it's going to be here by December or it's going to be here before spring of 2023. I mean, the more and more I read, the more that seems to be reasonable. But there's just still the possibility that we could wake up someday this week and there could be a crash. It could be next week. It could be next month. Or we could have a crash next summer. Maybe it's a full year from now or maybe even a little more than that. We don't know when it's going to happen. So if we don't know exactly when it's going to happen, what's your best strategy in a situation when you don't know when it's going to crash? Of course, put your money into investments that don't crash the same way. Everybody deals with crashes in the investing world and real estate is no exception. But one of the biggest pluses when you have your money in real estate in a down market is that there are more renters. You've got lowered prices on these properties. Interest rates are looking like they're going to be a little higher, but you have to consider the fact that the Fed is not setting the mortgage rates. It's typically measured and relative to the U.S. Treasury bonds. But it's not controlled by the Fed. So yes, with interest rates set by the Fed going up, mortgage rates tend to go up a bit as well. But they don't match the Fed. They're not required to match the Fed by any means. And that's not the biggest red light or green light to a deal anyhow, because you're going to be paying interest on it no matter what. We're going to see that impacting some people being confident in purchasing real estate talk about confidence again. Some people are going to think, hey, interest rates have gone up. I shouldn't buy now. But it's a down market. This is the best time to buy because the overall price for the properties is going to go down. It's going to become more of a buyer's market. So pros and cons, as in every situation. But overall, we prefer the down market because of the lower prices. 
and more renters on the market. It's typically easier to get your properties rented during the down market instead of the up market, as funny as that is to say. So with the ups and downs of the market, we love the up market, but we also love the down market. And when someone says that, you should really, really consider what the options are in that investment because that's not an exaggeration at all. I want the down market to come because I want to secure more properties and I want to get more rentals and I want to get into passive deals and apartment complexes because apartments above all are the best real estate that you can be in during a down market because when people have to move during down markets they typically don't move into another house they typically move into apartments and that's when the market for apartments gets to be the best not for the renters for the investors so apartments are very very cool during down markets if that's something you're interested in that is something that we teach at total wealth academy for people that are especially looking to get a little something more out of their rates of return versus the stock market. Now, when my show was about to start, I heard a little blurb that talked about the up value in the, let me see, it was the NASDAQ that was up today by 113, and then Dow Jones is down 122. Now, Dow Jones and NASDAQ are both composite indexes composed of dozens of different stock options of some of the biggest companies in America. So they're very much a litmus test, a health test for the overall stock market, and that's why they're so important, and that's why they were made in the first place. But with those updates, that is only a daily update. That is overall what it has done today from market opening. So it makes it sound good, of course, with the NASDAQ because it's gone up by over 100 points. Its value is currently sitting at 11,826.14 cents. But when you look at it year to date, the Dow Jones is down 12.41% overall. The S&P 500 is down 16.71%. And worst of all is NASDAQ, which is down year-to-date, so from January 1st, 2022 to today, July 20th, it's lost 24.94% of its value that it started at. So you have to be very, very careful getting a quick little buzz from a daily update on a stock value, especially when it has to do with a huge stock portfolio like Dow Jones, S&P 500, and NASDAQ. When you look at it on the graph, you can see with all of them, it's been very consistent since December that it's been going down. We have the humps, the ups and downs, as always, the little ones going up and down as sure as anything can be, but overall, it's going down. How far down until it's considered a down market? Well, that's up to the talking heads, I suppose, and the professionals in Washington, but we're going through a transitional market from a high market to a down market, and we're definitely not in the recession full on yet. So there is time to prepare for it if you're willing to do so. 
And if you want to avoid the disaster that is losing 25, 30, 50% or potentially more in your stock portfolios and retirement accounts, you're going to have to use some of that money in real estate. Doesn't have to be all of it. Even one or two houses can make a massive difference, but it cannot be stuck 100% in the hands of somebody that you probably can't really talk to. It's in the hands of a corporate retirement account that you don't really have control over unless you put it in a self-directed type of account. Or go so far an extreme as to take it all out and pay the tax penalty. It depends on who you are, but for most people, that's not going to be the best option. So you balance that by taking some of the money and putting it into real estate. Start small with real estate. You don't have to act like you're going to be someone from HGTV but even one single family house can change your life once you get that check in the mail. You've got the renter in there. They're happy, they're content, and they're paying you rent. It makes a massive, massive difference. So we're heading to break, folks. Stay tuned. This is Trevor Davis with the Total Wealth Academy radio show. There's an old joke. When is the best time to buy real estate? 20 years ago. When is the second best time? Today. And that is truer than ever with the impending recession and the correction that is going on right now. Real estate investors are going to make millions of dollars over the next few years because of the recession. You should take advantage of it as well. To find out how, attend our free sample class at TotalWealthAcademy.com. TotalWealthAcademy.com. Just click on the free sample class button. Thank you. Welcome back to the show, folks. This is Trevor Davis from Total Wealth Academy. Um, I love that little ad real quick with the babble. Um, I have learned Spanish not through that program, but I learned it through a lot of practice and speaking with folks. So I can't recommend learning a new language enough. So just a quick aside there. I looked through my notes and I wanted to get the exact statistics for writing your goals down. And with the study I saw... They scored people on whether they finished something or not without writing it as the base. That's the test that they're going to score everything else relative to to see how people are doing on a task when they don't write it down. But when people wrote their goals down, they were 42% more likely to complete them. And when they wrote their goals down, set action steps with it, and had weekly progress reports to a trusted person they were 77% more likely to complete their goals. Pursuing goals is one of the funnest things that you can do, just in general. It's satisfying for people because you see step-by-step step the progress, and then once you achieve it, you've got that rush of a meaningful set of pleasure chemicals that's not just short-term enjoyment like dopamine, that allows you to connect those actions with long-term enjoyment. So you're going to be more likely to do them in the future. And if you think about it like a game, it becomes more fun if you approach it in that way. It doesn't have to be this necessarily life or death thing. And I feel like that'd be helpful for a lot of people to take the pressure off. Make this something that's enjoyable for you. Make it something that's fun and give yourself rewards for the steps that you complete. 
you know, go get yourself something fun, get yourself a video game that you wanted to play, um, buy yourself a DVD set that you've been looking at, uh, an accessory for your car, um, a nice um, date at a restaurant with your loved one, but do something to make it fun. And that seems to be the most effective thing, at least for me, that once I take that pressure off and quit acting like I have to be doing every solitary thing all by myself, all at once, like I'm supposed to be Superman all the time, that's something that makes me more functional. We put a ton of pressure on ourselves all the time to do something better than what we're doing now. And it just becomes this cycle of we're constantly criticizing our actions no matter what we end up doing. We're constantly criticizing ourselves for doing things that are important or doing things that we need to do on a daily basis that may be relatively mundane. But don't beat yourself up excessively and unreasonably for doing some of the things that you enjoy on a daily basis that let you unwind, especially when you've done some of the things that you needed to do to achieve your goals. You don't have to be in 100% goal-setting mode all the time necessarily. I mean, you can really look at it when you're doing your sharpen-the-saw activities, as Stephen Covey says, as the relaxation you need to get to more goals if you're really 100% goal-oriented. But even if you were the completely perfect, 100% goal-oriented person, the superman, superwoman that some part of us wants us to be, if you're that person, you're still going to have to take those times off to do the sharpen the saw activities or else you're going to get burnt out. And I think what happens to a lot of people is that we burn ourselves out from the beginning because we're setting ourselves up with this attitude that nothing we're going to do is going to be good enough or there's just something better out there that we could be doing with our time and even though we don't know it, even though we've never been exposed to it yet, we're still giving ourselves a hard time because we just feel like there's that possibility that we could be doing something better with our time. Give yourself credit for the actions that you're doing now because no matter who you are, where you're at, you've done many, 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 many things correctly that nobody can argue with. So once you give yourself some of that credit, it becomes a whole lot easier to have the peaceful, calm, effective attitude that you really need to take action on things without overpressurizing everything and making it to where everything just has to be this absolutely perfect situation with everything figured out or it has to be the most world-changing thing ever. Sometimes the small things are important, and sometimes doing the small things for a long time is the best thing that you could do for yourself and your mental health and for your family and just to appreciate the smaller things that come around. I hope that was helpful. Um, that's something that's been helping me recently. So let's get back to some of the financial things that we're looking at today. Another fact I want to highlight is that with middle-class market confidence, we've got a certain style that people are living with their finances, and it's called living paycheck to paycheck. 
And what this means is that over, in some cases it's right at 100, in some cases it's a little bit over, but it's going to be really right at 100% of the income from every paycheck being used for all expenses and really being used. So there's no savings, there's nothing set aside, there's nothing set aside for emergencies or above all retirement accounts if that's something that you're using and that is what most people are using for their retirement plan. Now, under $100,000, which is right here with everybody that's in middle class or the lower class, and I'm still not really sure why it's so difficult for people to say that, but there is a financial lower class. We don't do anybody any favors whatsoever by not saying that term because people are there, people are in that financial position. We need to acknowledge that that is a real place to be, and we need to acknowledge that there are ways to help and serve them in the way that they need. Less than $100,000, 64% of people are living paycheck to paycheck. So just under two out of three people. So you walk around, you look around, you go to the grocery store, you go to Target, you go to Walmart. Only one out of the three people that you pass is not living paycheck to paycheck. That is a lot to process for me thinking about the financial position that America should be in and all Americans should be in. We're the wealthiest country in the world. We're the most influential country in the world. It's very, very important that we stay that way because we need to be the leader on planet Earth. So far, nobody else has created a country as strong as us, founded on principles of freedom, republicanism, and democracy that's created the results that we have. Now, we don't need to go into the fact that nothing is perfect, and of course, I get it. America isn't an exception. But we are exceptional in the fact that we're doing so many things better than anyone on the planet. And I think that that is very, very important for us to maintain and expand on moving forward. Now, with that being said, many Americans are not able to take full advantage of the fact that they live in the United States based on the fact that so many people are living paycheck to paycheck. But let's talk about the upper middle class and the upper class because they're not even excused from living paycheck to paycheck either. 48% of people over $100,000 in income are living paycheck to paycheck. So if you want to roll up to the country club, get out your clubs and start playing, half the people you're going to walk by are going to be living paycheck to paycheck. That's pretty sobering to consider. Now, a while back, I talked about a family that was living in New York City, which, of course, is a very expensive city, but they had a gross combined household income of $500,000. They were both lawyers in Manhattan, and they lived in Manhattan, and they had a $500,000 house, and that was their biggest expense. And ultimately, with the way that they were living now, they were netting at the end of the year with all taxes paid, every expense paid, just over $5,000 in savings because 
They were going on all all these vacations. They were eating out a lot. They were spending a lot on lessons for their kids, which is not a bad thing, but it has to be balanced correctly in the financial situation that you're at. But overwhelmingly, their expense that was the biggest was where they were living. If we adjusted it for them to not live right in the middle of Manhattan, they would have saved a ton of money each year. They would have been able to save a little over $100,000 a year if they moved to something that was about half the price as what they started off with. And again, I get it. It's New York City. This is a very extreme example. But if you're making half a million dollars in income a year, you don't really have a good excuse to not be saving and investing your money. But that's where many of the people are at. And that's one of the reasons why even in the upper class, quote unquote, people are not in the best financial position. So financial suffering and challenges seems to be pretty universal. And we've seen some people go all the way up to the top and come all the way back down and sometimes go all the way back up. But just keep that in mind. You don't want to be someone who's living paycheck to paycheck. You have to be doing something that allows you to get rates of return that beat inflation that allow you to make money outside of a traditional eight to five job, 40 hour a week job. And of course, that's really 45 because you need to account for the lunch in the middle there. So that is a lot of time spent working over and over again every single week. What is the payout of doing all of this stuff? Why do you have to work only for someone else's business for your entire working life? That's really something that motivates me because when it comes down to it, I am not someone that wants to work for someone else's business my entire life. Because that's your option if you decide not to become financially independent. If you're working for a business and you're getting a paycheck, that's someone's business and it's not yours. So why in the world do these other people that aren't you get to run a business and be successful, but you don't? Don't put yourself down like that. Take action to build a business and get something like real estate working for you in the background. Once we come back, we will conclude today's radio show. This is Trevor Davis with the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Thank you all. The stock market was never designed to build wealth. It was designed to keep up with inflation. Please don't worry about the ups and downs. The average rate of return over the last 75 years is about 7%. You will get that even with the ups and downs. If you want a higher rate of return and less volatility, consider real estate. We make about three times as much as the stock market. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That's TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the final segment of today's show with Total Wealth Academy. This is Trevor Davis. If you've got any final thoughts, give us a call, 281-558-5738, or you can send me an email, trevor at totalwealthacademy.com. I just talked about the decision to work for someone else's business or work for your own. 
And everybody's going to go through different periods of time when, if they decide to open a business, they're probably going to have work for someone else's business before. But that's something that really compels me to make my decisions is that when you decide that you're not going to just work for someone else's business your whole life, you're going to start pursuing your own business. You're going to start pursuing real estate. You're going to start pursuing a small business, something that makes you happy, something that makes you get out of bed in the morning, looking forward to what's going to happen during the rest of the day. And if you're going to make a choice here after this radio show, I want you to make a choice of working for someone else's business or working for your own business. The overlap there is going to be if you're working for someone else's business, you want to start your own, probably going to want to quote unquote, keep your day job, as they say in the musical industry and keep working for someone else's business until you can get to that point. If we talk about real estate, we're not the people that are telling you to quit your jobs. That's probably not going to be a good idea because you want to keep that income. You're probably in a good position to keep that thing, and that time is probably something you want to be doing work anyhow. I mean, for most people... um, and really, spoiler alert with that is that the people that I've talked to that have done retirement early have not stayed retired. They end up doing something that is considered work within a year or two. You want to have the option of that choice, though. The freedom and the choice is what becomes compelling and important to us. If you don't have a choice to work for someone else's business, You're dependent upon that business. You're dependent on the paycheck. That's not a position that you want to be in forever. Are you going to be in it sometimes? Well, probably 99% of us have been in that position. For the 1% or whatever of people that have never worked for someone else's business, they're still going to have to make sure that they're operating their business correctly, taking care of business, as it said, So they don't lose that income because you're always going to be in a position that there are going to be challenges for you, regardless of whether you're working for someone else, you're working for yourself or a combination of both. But again, if you're going to make a decision, consciously decide to work for someone else's business, if that's what you're going to do and be honest with yourself here, because that's not a bad thing. I'm not the person that's going to beat you over the head and say you have to do this business thing or you have to do this real estate thing or whatever investment that you've heard about. I honestly believe that some people are perfectly content with a job for their entire working life, and I think that is perfectly okay. I don't agree with it personally. That's not what I want for myself or my loved ones or the kids that I will have, because I know the consequences of it. And we see the consequences of that on a regular basis. If you're going to consciously choose to work for someone else's business for the rest of your life, you need to be conscious then of the consequences that come with that. 
AKA, why is it such a big deal for people to talk about investing in real estate? Why is it such a big deal for people to talk about retiring before they turn 65 and 70? It's a big deal in the first place because the lifestyle you get from working a job is not what most people want. And this is a question, this is something that makes people question the job because it's not leading them to the results that they want. Um, I don't know of any kids that I grew up with that simply said they wanted to work this job their whole life. They talked about being able to go to all these fun places, do all sorts of fun jobs, and maybe they didn't have the most realistic conception of the job when we were really, really young. But I think if you look back and consider what you're doing now compared to what you thought you would be doing when you were a kid, you need to be very honest with yourself there and account for the fact that if it's different, okay, that's one thing, but is it on track to the lifestyle that you wanted as a kid? You have to be very, very careful there and acknowledge that sometimes we're not on track with that or we're way off track. And maybe that's one of the biggest reasons why we're not feeling the best about our current life situation. We have to acknowledge the fact that there are many, many cons to that type of financial planning. The biggest fact is that 95% of Americans fail to retire. When 95% of Americans are failing to retire, that means you walk past a group of 20 people and only one of them is going to retire with true independent income that pays all of their bills and pays for all of their wants. The other 95% of people, the other 19 out of 20, are going to be dependent on the government with Social Security, dependent exclusively on their retirement account, or dependent on their families. Now, if you get a combination of the Social Security and the retirement accounts, the average right now is right at, it's between $2,000 and $2,500 a month. So if you hit that max of $2,500 a month, that's just $30,000 a year, which is the same amount of money a full-time employee makes gross when they're working for $15 an hour which is what a lot of people are pushing for, for minimum wage. So is your plan consciously to retire at a minimum wage income level? I don't think so. I think that a lot of us are basically kicking the can down the road, even unconsciously, and just basically gambling with our time and vaguely hoping that something is going to get better for them, vaguely hoping that they're going to get lucky with something that's going to cause all of their financial prospects to completely change for the better in one fell swoop. That's not what happens to most people, folks. Most of the people that I've talked to, actually all of them, because I can't think of anybody that dealt with something that was one fell swoop change, like winning the lottery or getting a million dollars from a long dead aunt. But 
most of us who aren't going to be that fortunate, which is going to be 99% of us, that's going to be a matter of building up wealth slowly but surely with investments. And it's not going to happen overnight. You have to plan accordingly by setting a specific goal that says, I want to have X amount of income in retirement. And I say you should be aiming for at least $5,000 a month in retirement. So that's going to be double what that minimum wage is. And especially when it's in real estate, that's not going to be taxed at a W-2 income either. So you're going to be making more than someone who's making a W-2 income at $60,000 a year. If you're getting right around 10 houses, which is what you can get with all federally backed loans with the lowest rates, that's going to hit that income level once you've accounted for all four ways that it makes money. Your cash flow each month will probably be about around 3000 to 3500 But once you account for the equity buildup, the principal paydown, you're going to be building up a whole lot more on this deal than you initially expected. So folks, I actually have to wrap it up here. I really appreciate y'all tuning in to the Total Wealth Academy radio show today. My name's Trevor, and if you have any questions after the show, send me an email, trevor at totalwealthacademy.com, trevor at totalwealthacademy.com, and I'll see y'all next Wednesday. You've been listening to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Please remember that this show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investing advice. Always get a professional opinion before making any investment decisions. To find out more about coaching and consulting at Total Wealth Academy, visit TotalWealthAcademy.com and attend one of our free sample classes on real estate investing. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.